welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing in great detail the demo scene, which is an entire facet of music and really beyond music that is sort of its own subgenre. It's a subculture, yeah, I would say. Completely. Um, and you we know, could have a whole podcast dedicated to you it. You could really. have a whole podcast show yeah. dedicated to it. We're having a whole podcast episode, but you yeah. could have an entire show dedicated to this. And, you know, if you want to get technical here, maybe some of you might think, does this really apply to this podcast? Because this isn't video game music. Uh, what we're playing today are, are tracks that are not from games. These are from demos. Now, if anyone isn't familiar... Um, the demo scene came out of early computer systems that came out in the 80s, most notably the Commodore 64. What happened is it gave the opportunity for musicians and all kinds of artists the ability to share their art with people all around the world. And before the internet, uh, that was really a, a, you know one of the unique things about this subculture. Absolutely, and yeah, it extends beyond just the Commodore 64. Um, there, there were many different computer systems. I think one of the more popular ones was the Amiga, of course. Yeah, and that's and also, also like the Atari. Yeah, that's also made by Commodore. And, and what I would say is the Commodore machines are definitely the most popular, right. and the, the kind of music and the demos that have hold up more than anything else. Now, one thing is that. Uh, one of the aspects early on in the demo scene, and our, our good friend Mark um, was able to give us some good information to help us out today uh, for this episode. Um, but one of the things Mark said is that early on in the demo scene, one of the characteristics was the rivalry between Atari and Commodore. So the Atari ST was a really popular computer, and there were demos made for that. Uh, not as many, and definitely they weren't quite as famous as the Commodore demos. And yet, mm. once the Amiga came out, a lot of the composers that were originally working on the C64 moved over to the Amiga. And what's so crazy is this demo scene is still active today. There are still competitions. There are still people making demos on the Commodore 64 and the Amiga to this day, which is yeah. so crazy. Well, there's especially a lot of love for the Commodore. I think they recently, like the other year, they like they had a reissue of it. They re-released the Commodore mm. in like a special edition bundle for people because it's still very popular for stuff like that. And I think that that's what's so cool because I think there is, the reason why we want to talk about about it is there is sort of a crossover between the whole demo scene culture and gaming culture the well, way yeah. that we sort of hold up these machines and hold up these games and really cherish them long after their creators well, have sort of forgotten they about are chip tunes and also there were a lot of composers that came out of the scene that turned into successful video game yeah, composers, yeah. most notably Jesper Kid. right and near the end of today's episode we're going to play a Jesper Kid Amiga track well, so I think the other thing that's cool is it it's also um, it represents one of the philosophies that we see a lot in video game music and sort of um, Carl and I, the approach that we take to both writing music and also kind of studying video game music is that idea that uh, limitations can lead to creativity. Oh my you know? gosh. I think that's why there is still sort of an active and scene. And this is the most extreme case of that. I mean, these these composers and musicians were able to push the, the boundaries of the Commodore and the Amiga to levels that are just unprecedented. Another thing we want to give a shout out is Phil. Uh, Phil Baxter was very helpful. Uh, he wrote us a couple of great emails with some great information, some track suggestions that we're going to play today. Also just, you know, gave us some nice insight on, you know, what it was like to grow up in that scene. Yeah, so thank today, you very much. Much, Phil. The focus is on the Commodore 64 and the Amiga. We are going to play one Atari ST track, mainly because Mark, you know, he actually was one of the people that owned the Atari machines. 
not as many demos I was able to find for the Atari. A lot harder to find for me. And the stuff I did find wasn't as great, in my opinion. Well, but I, I definitely wanted to play at least one. Yeah, what I think is kind of like unique and interesting about this is since this all happened like before the internet, there's probably a lot of stuff that's been lost. And this was in yeah. the era of you know physical print media. So there apparently were like floppy disks being mailed around, you know, all over the world with different which stuff. Which is so cool. Which is a really cool like time. And in uh, competitions, every around. year there would be these different competitions. Maybe it would be in Switzerland, or maybe it would be in Germany, and everyone would come together. Uh, which, and, and if you're not sure what a demo is, all it is is it's just like a little movie, a little video that has every aspect of it is trying to be impressive. It has really cool graphics and visuals and music, and right. it's coming together. Well, to it initially comes from like uh, demos would be created to show off the hardware, right? Yeah. Like when the Commodore was being released, uh, people at Commodore would probably be making demos or hire people to make demos to sell the machine and to then, say, look at all the stuff it can do with graphics and And then sound. there's this rivalry, you know, not only from musician to musician or from, you know, graphical artist to graphical artist, but also from different machines like, Oh, look what the Amiga can do. It can yeah. do this 3D scaling, and that's such a big deal. So so what, what actually we're going to do for the most part is we're going to be going back and forth between the C64 and Amiga because I thought it was a fun way to set the playlist up. Totally. I think we're do playing, I think, like 10 C64 tracks today, 9 Amiga, and 1 Atari ST. So let's get the ball rolling here. What you guys heard playing in with was from the demo called El Dorado, which came out in 1990 by the group Origo Dreamline, composed by Zardax, no, most of the musicians today have these handles you're not going to hear the real aliases. name uh, we're going to start things off in earnest here with another commodore 64 track this is from a demo called oxen it came out in 1992 by starion and the musician here is scordia we're going to play the loop here we go This is cool. You guys are listening to The Loop, and the composer is Scortia. This is from the demo Oxen for the Commodore 64, which came out in 1992. Oh my gosh. Yeah, one thing I want to say is I you know, had to listen to so many demos to prepare for this episode, and really the tradition of these demos so different from most video game music. It's not about immediately catchy melodies that hit you right away a lot of what this music is is trying to be impressive trying to fit the demo and trying to take its time to like create ambience and to create you know something that builds and builds and totally. builds but um one of the things i did a little disclaimer is i made quite a few edits today so a lot of the tracks we're playing are edits that i made to kind of make it a little bit more succinct and to you know have the best parts of the song kind of you know right away because 
you know, with this podcast, we only have an hour, and this episode will be will still be around the same length as a normal episode, but we're going to, you know, play about 20 tracks today. So I kind of had to do that. Right, yeah. And, I mean, always there's going to be so much stuff that we won't get to talk about. Oh, my and, gosh. You yeah. know, this is such a – this is it, it'd be like the equivalent of having a demo scene podcast and doing an episode on video game music. Exactly. You I know, mean, it's it, a rabbit hole. So, yeah, don't, don't expect that we're going to do everything that's good. I mean, or if, if you if have you a guys, favorite, it probably – Chances are it probably won't be on here because, I mean, just by the sheer number. Yeah. But, I mean, Carl did a wonderful job picking through these tracks. And, I mean, I think we're very proud of the playlist we have here. I think it's going to yeah. be some of the best. Oh, I'm very confident. This is definitely some of the best. I tried to have some of the most famous and well-loved demos, mm-hmm. some of the most, in- you know, musically interesting, and also maybe some more obscure stuff that even if you're familiar with the demo scene, you might not know. So, really cool stuff. I love that track. Yeah, that was an awesome track. One What's of my favorites. What's the composer's handling? Uh, Scortia. Scortia. Yeah, that's so- great. So uh, I think there's only a couple composers today that we're featuring multiple tracks. Uh, not, I like the use of, of that arpeggiator. It's something that we hear a lot, but um, in that case, like the arpeggiation is happening fairly slowly for that type of effect. Um, so it does kind of sound a little bit just like a chord or like an arpeggio. Yeah, and how about that Commodore 64 sound chip? So legendary. Uh, that's the SID. Uh, you know, so the format that you hear that you get a lot of the Commodore uh, soundtracks are dot S. ID or SID. So now we're going to move on to the Amiga, and we're going to play a track by the composer Jester. And this was one of the um, this is one of Phil's favorite composers. This was a composer he wanted us to play uh, for the Amiga. So this is from the demo Elysium: The Search for Anarchy, and it came out in 1991 by the group Sanity. And we're going to play the title track. This is Elysium by Jester. Here we go. Great. You're listening to Elysium by Jester for the Amiga, which came out in 1991. Now, the Amiga has such a really interesting sound chip. The sound chip is called Paula. And what's so weird, and you guys notice this if anyone's listening to this on headphones, another reason why I wanted to go back and forth, because otherwise it's kind of taxing on the ears, I will say. Amiga Music, there's four channels. Two of them are only on the left, and two of them are only on the right, and there's no panning they can do. That's why the drums are way over here and the synth is way over here so that's something that when you listen to Amiga music the mixing is incredibly odd for headphones yeah. 
Uh, so, you know, just a little disclaimer. Also, there, you know, there are going to be some tracks that we're going to want to play a, a decent amount of because one of the cool things about these demos is that it, it builds up the emotion. It might start with something ambient and eventually kind of... So we want to have a little bit of that today. You know, these luckily so far have been fairly short Right, and oftentimes nature. they're just full tracks with a beginning and yeah. ending. Yeah. There's no loop, there, it, it, yeah. which is really... You know, it's cool to hear that on such old hardware that we associate only with video games. Right, absolutely. So let's move on now. Yeah, I mean, just purely um, in a technical sense, uh, the Amiga definitely sounds more advanced. Yeah, than and, the and it's sample-based. So yeah. every single composer was able to have their own samples. And one of the other things that Phil was mentioning is that a lot of the Amiga game music, in his opinion, was really not that great because the, there were such limitations. And since the game took up so much space the composer didn't have as much room for the sound for the samples but because of these demos that's all there is they had a lot more room so the demo music sounded better than any of the game music did and which was probably like a, a great choice mm -hmm. for amiga to have that because you know that way they could sell this to um, yeah. game developers say hey look what our powerful machine can do and exactly. you actually get and, under the hood and say oh and there were some other like game composers that did demos that did music for demos There's a couple shout outs here chris hulsbeck right, um, right. did some stuff pretty cool stuff um i think rob hubbard did some stuff definitely cool but i would say that these strictly these demo sceners, I think they edged out some of those people. So we're actually not including a lot of those game people. The only actual like big game person we're featuring is Jesper Kid and also um, Moby, which he actually did some Amiga games as well. But anyway, uh, yeah, another thing to note, and Phil mentioned this too, is that these are kids. These are completely amateurs. These are not professionals. These are not salaried musicians. These are just people that love uh, music, love to work on those computers. That's another thing I love that reminds me of the spirit of video games. Like, no matter what happens, and I know that nowadays there's plenty of adults who play video games, video games are a representation of youth culture, yeah. and they're very much for if not children, for younger generations. And, and one great thing is who's to say the impact that these young kids had on video game music because yeah. obviously a lot of these demos got around and became pretty popular before the dawn of the internet. So who's to say what other game composers listened to this stuff and said, ooh, let's incorporate this well, in I the game. Well, I think it was a cool thing about the Commodore that it was you know functional enough to allow that many people to try their hand at making mm -hmm. demos. You know, it's like we look at these old game consoles, you like the NES, for example and music that we love but i mean there was no clearly there was no infrastructure around like people making their own nes games you yeah. know maybe you'll see something like that now yeah. where someone will like try to make and, some old hack and it's so cool that it's still going on we are going to feature two tracks and i'm actually really excited about these fairly modern tracks yeah. that came out in the past few years and really i think some of the best stuff um that we're playing today so let's move on to c64 again this is from a demo called wonderland x or wonderland 10 which came out way back in 1993 by Sensor Design. And the musician uh, that did this demo was Danco. So he composed this. And now this is one that I'm going to play kind of an excerpt from. So a lot of these demos consist of maybe three or four or five pieces of music. And when one piece finishes, it literally goes on to the next piece of music. And a lot of times multiple tracks are really cool. And I couldn't decide, well, which one do I want to do? This one I'm featuring a little bit from two different tracks. So this is an excerpt from Wonderland consisting of the tracks Tape Loader and Groove. Here we go. Thank <laughs> you. 
Oh my gosh. This track right here is called Groove. The one we heard earlier was Tape Loader. Both by Danco for Wonderland X. This is Very Commodore diverse. 64. I love wow, it. Wow, this is impressive. This is great. And yeah, this is a great title to Groove. This is very groovy. Um, yeah, I'm so glad I got to include uh, two different tracks from this demo because they're both very different, very diverse, but they're both great. I wanted to, you know, I couldn't decide which one I yeah, wanted to this play. This is some of the stuff that, you know, it really makes you think like somebody like Jake Kaufman, you know, this is the stuff mm. that he's so clearly inspired yeah. by. Absolutely. It's very intricate and really just cool you know it, it, it's, it's cool. like it's this ability of like taking this old kind of digital technology but doing something really kind of hip yeah. with it yeah that's a very good that's a very good summary of today in general so so now we're going to move on to the amiga and we're going to play a track from a demo called Edder Copper. This came out in 1991. So yeah, we're kind of so far keeping things very fairly old school. Early 90s is really the heyday of the demo scene. And this is by the group Arrow. And uh, composer is Format. Now that's the number four Matt Format. And we're going to play a track called Back From Blue. And this is an edited version that I made. Here we go. is a nice change of pace. It's a lot slower tempo than most of the uh, demos that I've been listening to this past week, so I really am glad that I got to include this. This is a beautiful track. You're listening to Back From Blue. This is an edit uh, by format from Edder Copper for the Amiga. Once again, you're having those really hard panned channels, but you can at least hear all the channels very specifically, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's great. I really like this song. I think it's really well composed. I think that's the thing that's really striking me about a lot of this is um, it's all wonderful music. I mean, it's mm -hmm. very different than what video game music strives to be. Yeah. And once you can accept what it is, and it's not always going to be super melodic and catchy, it's going to be more soloistic, more immediate, more improvisational. And in general, you know, maybe not with these edits, but if you actually want, and I recommend you guys to actually go on YouTube and watch some of these demos, because you really see them building the emotion. And it might, it might be ambient for five minutes and just have one little line, but by the end, it's just going to be pounding in your face, which is yeah. so great. It's really cool. Like, I don't know, I love the idea of making art out of such severe limitation you know it's like they're taking this yeah. old computer system and using it to really express something emotional mm -hmm. I love that I love the idea of clinging on to something old and making something new out of it so now we're going to go a little bit more modern this is a C64 track that came out in 1999 
So, you know, almost two, almost another decade here. And this is from the demo Bondage 2, which was released by the group Crest. And the musicians we have are Mitch and Dane. And the track here is Mountain Breeze. This is a really cool track. Enjoy. impressive piece of music yeah commodore 64 it's crazy all the phase stuff they're able to do with it it's just ridiculous way more advanced than most game music you heard from the commodore 64 this came out in 1999 and one of the cool things um one of the the reasons why maybe this demo scene is still active today is people are pushing it more and more and more yeah. just wait till you hear some of the modern stuff it's insane i mean and this is pretty modern yeah. um for the time i mean when you think uh, you know, I mean, the Commodore was one of the most popular computers in the 80s. of the 80s, yeah. but this is 99. This is almost, you know, the 21st century. It's wild. So it's crazy to think people still working on it then, but it's even crazier to think they're still working on it yeah. now. Well, I'm playing a track from 2014 today, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and it's great that they actually are getting better. You know, it's yeah. not it's not this sort of sad thing of like retreading the same territory i mean they're they continue to yeah. be pushing it it's, more and it's more. so great to hear that okay so now it's we're gonna a wonderful track i love all these tracks are super <laughs> catchy like yeah because even if they don't have like a specific hummable melody mm-hmm. they at least all have a very recognizable groove or yes. some sort of yes. repetitive riff or ostinato or something that repeats that really can kind of stick in yeah your and, head. and like i said I, I think we're fairly confident this is some of the best of the best for the demo so i mean not all of it is to this quality and i did have to look to a lot of you know pretty boring stuff and very kind of cliche stuff to get this stuff but this is just so cool there's a lot of cool online radio stations there's a there's a demo scene radio station i was listening to quite a bit this past week just as i was at work and kind of hearing some hidden gems come on so i think that's how this one mountain breeze uh, that's how i found that so all right now i'm gonna move on to you know for the amiga we're gonna play some incredibly famous composers and as far as if you're familiar with the amiga demo scene this is one of the composers that you're definitely going to be familiar with 
This is Moby. I think his real name is uh, Frederick Mote, I believe. And he did some game music for the Amiga, but really made a name for himself in the demo scene. This is um, just a music demo. I don't, I don't, I think there might be some visuals, but the demo itself is called More Than Music. And that's the name of this track, More Than Music. It's one of the most famous uh, Amigo demos. And it came out in 1991. Again, Moby. Now, not the other Moby. There's a famous electronic musician, Moby. Not that. It's a different Moby. And this is More Than Music. And again, this is an edit that I made because I think the actual thing is like maybe 20 minutes or something. I just made an edit that's two minutes and 40 seconds. So here we go. You guys are listening to kind of an excerpt from More Than Music by Moby for the Amiga. And a lot of people consider this to be Moby's masterpiece on the Amiga. I think that's how Phil worded it on his email. He really wanted us to play this track. So yeah, uh, it's it's really good. And I love the Amiga samples because there's always that little bit of grit and distortion on everything you hear. Similar, it reminds me a little bit to the SNES. Yeah, I mean, some ways, more to an extent, yeah. it's more um, compressed. Yeah, in some ways, though, it sounds a little bit cooler than the SNES. Because it's like, it almost sounds like a sound chip yeah. because of how compressed it is. Yeah. It makes it sound like there is some sort of digital synthesis going on. And one thing that the SNES, a lot of people um, you know, that are against the SNES, not against, but like aren't big fans of that sound, is it does make everything a little bit like softer and you don't have like hard hitting music on the right. SNES you know whereas the Amiga I will still say although it's compressed it is still like biting and crisp in a way right. that the SNES kind of rounds everything off I've noticed. Yeah, th- th- that's probably true. I guess I, I wouldn't sacrifice anything though because I think the majority of great SNES tracks don't really rely on yes. kind of hard hitting stuff. They're more about those subtle moments and I think something like the Amiga would struggle to mm-hmm. create a sort of an orchestral score. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but it is what cool to ever. hear that sampling technique, being able to do the kind of hard-hitting rock thing. But this is a very diverse piece of music. And what I love is there's definitely sort of a musical language of the demo scene, like there is sort of a shared language for game music. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot more of a free exploratory 
story nature to the chord progressions mm -hmm. and just the harmony in general is a lot more free yeah there's a big reliance on chord sequences it, yeah. i think a lot of these composers they're trying to come up with unique and cool chord sequences which yeah. is great to hear yeah i love it. It, it there's a lot of sort of um harmonic pioneering going on yeah. which i think is awesome especially thinking that probably a lot of these people never had any formal musical training oh weren't absolutely professionals not, yeah. just kids discovering it's it. great i think it also goes to show that there is sort of a fundamental human desire to make music mm -hmm. and if you look at throughout history the different ways that people have made music i think it's sort of a nice thing that we can be proud of in our culture and in game music culture also that um if not video games, sort of these machines served as an outlet for so many kids around the world yeah. to express their love of creating music. This was their way of doing that. And I think yeah. that's something we can be very proud of. Absolutely, Will. So now we're going to play one of the most modern tracks of the day. This is a track that came out in 2008 for the Commodore 64. It's a demo. The demo is called Edge of Disgrace, and that's the name of the track as well. It's the title track. This is um, by Dane, and it was released by the group Booze Design. Now, this is a track that I made another edit of. The original track, uh, the demo, I believe is about 14 minutes long. It's one of the most impressive tracks of the day. It's so good, and I really wanted to at least have one track today where you guys could experience a little bit of the journey that some of these music takes you on, where you start off with one thing, and by the end of it, it comes full circle, and it really feels like you're going on this journey. And although we don't have 14 minutes to dedicate on this podcast, we, we just don't have that much time. I do want to play at least about 2 minutes 30 seconds here and then we'll fade it down and talk. So cool. here's Edge of Disgrace.
I love this track. This really takes you on a journey. One of the, my favorite things about this track is just when you think you know the ex, the, like the maximum of how far you think he's pushing the C64, then he takes it one degree further and adds more harmonies on top. Oh my gosh, this is impressive. It's so awesome. And the thing that really um, I appreciate so much, I can't think of any other musical art form um, that's really comparable to this. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like... I don't know, wh- when do you get sort of like a 14-minute rock opera-esque you don't. long-form piece like this that yeah. just takes its time and And, and, and obviously this is itself. kind of a stripped-down version of that. This yeah. was like, I was trying to get that feeling of 14 minutes condensed into about three yeah. minutes. So just imagine how much more powerful it was to watch the whole demo, which I did. When the time it got to that, it was just like, oh my gosh. I love it. It really does take its time and it is so intricate and it's like something I can't imagine. I can't really imagine this being done with real instruments, I know. but I also don't feel like it's missing anything. Uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's like the best utilization of that hardware yeah, so, ever. And then the context is so important. Like Carl mentioned of just having to wait and build up and build up. And once again, that came out in 2008. Uh, we're now going to go way back in time to 1991 to the Amiga. This is a demo called Blue House 2. I think this was another suggestion by Phil. This came out by the group Rebels. And the composers who did this track were Tip and Mantronics. We're going to play the track called Swamp Vamp. Here we go. That is cool. Will was noticing some similarity to uh, the chords of Get Lucky by Daft Punk there. And Pharrell. Um, yeah. So so this was Swamp Vamp from Blue House 2 for the Amiga, which came out in 1991 by Tip in Mantronics. Very cool. Now, speaking of some similarities to pop music, we're going to have a really cool story uh, later on. Um, let's not which, spoil it. Yeah, let's not spoil yeah. it, but I'm excited to get to that. So yeah, this is a really cool track. Don't really have much to say. It's one of the most kind of breezy, happier tracks of the day again a lot of this music is so improvised it's really fun to finally hear like the jazz the super kind of jazz influence i mean a lot of these chords may evoke uh you know jazz chords but in the context of a lot of it it doesn't inherently feel jazzy where this one there's so much soloing that goes on yeah so now we're going to go back of course to the c64 and this is a demo called that's the wave it is uh, came out in 91 by Panoramic Designs. And this was composed by Ole Marios Peterson. And we're going to play a track called Solarum Lyrum. Uh, this is beautiful. Here we go. <laughs> ¶¶ 
an ingenious use of the C64. You know, he's trying to create really full chords, and the best way to do that is with the arpeggiator. You're able to have a a multiple notes at once. Um, really beautiful stuff here. This is very contrasting to a lot of the music. It's not a techno groove, which 99% of this music is. It's almost a little bit more like uh, something like a film score, isn't it? It's just a little bit more emotional and serious, which was another thing that you would hear in these demos. It's just trying to, you know, have something that just like wows the viewer. Most of them, I would say, are not interactive. These demos are just something you watch. I think some of them were interactive, though. Yeah, and what's crazy is, in this case, the arpeggiator is happening so quickly mm-hmm. that it just almost sounds like chords being hit down really Which is quickly. so badass. But you can sort of hear the blah, 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 blah yeah. like the little kind of jingle between all the pitches. But, yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, it's a beautiful progression, and it, I really like how it takes its time. It's not mm-hmm. moving too fast. It ends up being incredibly beautiful, and the melody is really kind of gorgeous. Yeah, I completely agree. Now we're going to move on to uh, an Amiga demo that came out in 1990 called Bacteria. Uh, This is composed by Dr. Awesome. (laughs) Not the most humble handle. Uh, This is a track called 12th Warrior, and uh, let's hope it's awesome. Here we go. you're listening to 12th warrior from the demo bacteria for the amiga and this is by dr awesome what do you think will you think it's a fitting title of this composer i mean i've had doctors that were awesomer but i guess this could be considered awesome doctor decent (laughs) doctor acceptable yeah no i like it i think it's a good track but unfortunately it isn't my favorite track of the day right so i think neither it really does seem like hyperbole. I think it's time to move on from that, quote, awesome track. Now we're going to play uh, a C64 demo called Spasmolytic. Hard to say. It came out in 1993 by Sensor Design and composed by a person that goes by the handle Swallow. This is song one from Spasmolytic. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
I love the melody on this. This is cool. You're listening to song one from Spasmolytic for the C64. Really cool stuff. I love that minor four there. Again, a great use of the arpeggiator, huh? Yeah. Again, it's so cool to hear all the creative uses of this hardware. That's a great melody right there. Isn't yeah, that this cool? is something I think would fit in very well in game music. This is probably yeah. the one that feels the most similar to uh, Commodore video game music, I'd say. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited, guys. It is now time to move on to our track of the week. This is a, a track for the Amiga, and this came out in 2000, and it's pretty infamous as far as the demo scene goes. And the reason for that is because... Timbaland, the famous producer who's done so much stuff, stole this. He pretty much took this and sampled this in a Nelly Furtado song, and the, the song is called Do It, and I recommend you guys check out the song. It's actually a pretty catchy song, and the use of this is actually really cool in the song, but um, the original composer sued Timbaland uh, for not you know, having permission to use it, and the original came out in 2000 by Tempest, that it, uh, is the musician who wrote this, and in a couple years after that, there was a C64 remix that someone did with Tempest's permission, and that was the version that Timbaland sampled in that Nelly Furtado song. Really cool, uh, interesting story there. But I'm going to play the original Amiga version. It's so good. It's such a good track. I'm not surprised why Timbaland stole it because it is, really has a good sample um, potential. It's super jazzy. Um, it's called Acid Jazzed Evening by Tempest. What a stellar chord progression that is. Great melody here. Oh, I love this track. You're listening to Acid Jazzed Evening, which actually came out for the Amiga, but I think Tempest is going for a C64 type of sound, right. which is oh, why clearly. I think that guy did that remix on the C64. Well, um, <laughs> that arpeggiator yeah, stuff. And, and just, and, I think that the samples are ripped samples yeah, from Yeah, but those, those classic arpeggiators, you hear that in the Nelly Furtado song. In the chorus, you can hear that so clearly. It's such an important part of the chorus and i do recommend guys check out that song it's called do it it's a pretty catchy song no i guess my my main kind of issue sometimes with sampling and this is a feeling i've always had where it's always been kind of conflicting to me is because sometimes the best part of a song or is your favorite sample, part yeah. is a sample and it's like well then you don't take ownership for that because then all you end up doing is just taking something else and repackaging it and it always bugs me when another artist gets just their name slapped on something and then yeah if you look in the credit and you can see oh this is actually sampled from this but it, mm -hmm. to me it's a little dishonest and 
the other thing is, um, I know this is probably not a super popular opinion, but I don't know. I, I like the idea of hearing something, being inspired by it, and making your own. If sure. if you just hear something and say, oh, no, I'm going to use that's that, That's too hard too. to do. Most you people know, I, I feel would, like, wouldn't take the time to but do that, But it would have, to me, been cooler if, like, Timbaland listened to this and be like, that's cool. If I don't know how to, like, do a mm-hmm. Commodore 64 type thing, I'm going to find somebody who knows how to program it. I'll yeah, write my thing, own part in the style of yeah, this. Yeah, the, the thing, though, is is when, you know, one questioned, I read a quote by Timbaland, and a really kind of just a dicky comment that he said is just like, you know, everybody samples every day, and I don't have time to look through and see what something's from. I mean, I just don't have time for that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the kind Which of is, attitude is that is so I wrong. I mean, that stuff's him, illegal. Yeah. You should have the time to, to see if something's in the public domain or not. It's, yeah. it's just I mean, I, I'm not I'm not surprised. I, I get kind of a weird vibe from that guy. Mm-hmm. I, I do think he's talented. He has a good ear for cool I, samples. I don't know. That 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 kind of, that bugs me. And it's like, uh, didn't you say this guy, he didn't get any settlement? I don't since think he's, so. He lives think, in like Europe. Yeah. He's not and I to. think the thing was that he would have to travel to America in order to kind of proceed with the legal stuff and I, I don't think he did so it's unfortunate but anyway we're now going to move on to a c64 track which came out in 1997 this is from a demo called wonder and that's spelled o-n-e-d-e-r uh by the group oxyron and this is composed by fanta we're going to play the track challenger enjoy guys interesting chord sequence here you guys are listening to challenger from the demo wonder for the c64 by fanta yeah, nice it's cool job. it's almost like we get two c64 tracks in a row yeah even though that last one was an amiga mm-hmm. very similar kind of going for that old school sound yeah this is a great track i think we're going to move on i think it's pretty self-explanatory we have about let's see one two three four five about six tracks left today i wonder how difficult it was to you know sequence that music for the c64 i, I think know a lot that, of trackers th- yeah there are trackers that mm-hmm. exist now i i haven't experimented with any of them but i wonder if some of the stuff that people use now to make c64 stuff is the exact same you should try i know there's a lot of avail- available trackers and software you can get to do this you should I try think a that. lot of the people back then they were making 
making it on the C64, so you would need an actual yeah, Commodore been. to to make yeah. the music. But there's probably like trackers nowadays, that synthesize yeah. the sound chip. Right, right. So now we're going to play uh, the one lone Atari ST track today. You know, I wanted to feature at least one because although I don't think it had the impact, nearly the impact that the Commodore stuff did, it was a part, you know, early on of this demo scene. So I want to play a track from an Atari ST demo, which came out in 1991. And the name of this demo is Dark Side of the Spoon. Uh, <laughs> I watched this entire demo, and um, this was one of the demos that it looked like it had some interactivity where you were flying the ship around, and you were at, where you took the ship to these different places, and each place was its own little demo. And each little demo had its own chip tune. But in between was this a really obnoxious, like, sample-based, like, music that had a lot of really vulgar language, and it was, like, really kind of immature. But then when you got to each demo, it had a really great, you know, chip tune. <laughs> so this was a Tune 4 by Mad Max for the Atari ST. Let's take a listen to Tune 4 from Dark Side of the Spoon. guys are listening to tune four from dark side of the spoon for the atari st which came out in 1991 uh composed by mad max and released by the group unlimited matrix and yeah i think mad max uh also used this track in an actual game that came out for the atari st i think it was like wings of the wings of something uh this part's really cool it gets a little more distant and then coming up here uh, in a little bit it kind of goes to a minor key and has like a really kind of more like quintessential video game sound right here Nice. More like Mega Manny, but uh, yeah, this is a great track. Yeah, something we wanted to mention is that uh, this PSG chip is actually identical to the one in the ZX Spectrum and the MSX. Which I think is that's right. Japanese uh, video game computer that was mm-hmm. also very popular. So yeah, if this sound chip sounds familiar, it's probably that we've played a lot of um, MSX and ZX yeah. Spectrum stuff on the show before. I don't think we played any of this Atari no. stuff on our computer music episodes. No, the only Atari nice thing we ever played was from the Atari 2600, <laughs> <laughs> which was um, kind of an example of something that wasn't the best. But All right, so now we're going to play another track by Moby, the, the legendary Moby uh, for the Amiga. Now, this was just a standalone song. This wasn't for any specific demo. You know, a lot of these people would release a music disc or would release, you know, just a, a demo that just had this track. Uh, so that's what this one was. This is a track called Livin' Insanity came out in 93 by Moby. This is one of the funkiest tracks we're playing today, so enjoy, guys. (laughs) 
I love, love, love that bass line. It's such a great fretless bass sound. So funky. But yeah, how about that guitar for the Amiga? It's just leaps just, and bounds I above everything. I still can't believe it's actually on the Amiga because all of the other samples, you know, are very compressed. Don't have much of a sort of frequency range. And then you have a that lot guitar. Of, yeah, a lot of high end, not much lower mids. And then the guitar is just full spectrum sound. I don't know what they did to do that. Um, and I think, but that's the uh, achieved effect. I think they're trying to make it sound like a real instrument mixed in with these fake video games. And game one thing I will say is, you know, one thing Phil mentioned is because, you know, this is it's just a piece of music that was released. He could take as much, you know, space as he needed to have the highest size samples he wanted to because there's no game to go along with it. So I think that's the reason why this kind of music sounds so much better than, you know, the game music did is because Moby had almost an infinite amount of space that he could have for the samples. Which is wild, but what a fun. When was track. this made? 93. Nice. Now wow, we're going to play... A Commodore 64 track that came out in 2014. This came out this year. Way back in um, 14. 2014. Uh, yeah, so this C64, it's a demo called We Are All Connected. Uh, this is some of my favorite music I've discovered while researching this episode. I love uh, this demo, love the music here. It was released by the group Fairlight, and the composers here are Skarzix and Kribust, and we're going to play um, kind of an excerpt featuring two different tracks from this demo. We're going to do that again, starting off with Talk to the Wind, and then playing a little bit of Connected. Uh, here we go. are listening to a little excerpt from We Are All Connected, which came out in 2014 for the C64. Uh, this was composed by Skarzix and Kribust. Wonderful. Really cool stuff. Gosh, I'm always surprised at how intricate all this is, but this is probably the most soloistic of all the tracks that we played today. I agree. There really is sort of a 
a sense of on-the-spot improvisation. You oh, know, yeah. a lot of these ideas uh, really don't even sound like they were worked on at all, which is <laughs> something that I think I would be frustrated with in video game music. But in this case, I actually really like it because it makes me appreciate the melodic ideas that work yeah. or just the soloistic ideas that work. I think it really is sort of um, you're hearing that creativity manifest itself really live because there's a lot of times where there's just sort of repeating an idea that doesn't really work or something that just feels dissonant or like a rhythm that isn't quite making sense. So now we're going to move on to a track composed by Jesper Kidd. Uh, this is really fun. You know, there's a lot of great, you know, Jesper Kidd tracks. I wanted to find one that was um, kind of unique and interesting and something that was kind of fun to listen to. You know, if you're familiar with his work, you know, recently, you know, a lot of great soundtracks for the Assassin's Creed series, for the Hitman series. He it's did fu- uh, Freedom it's Fighters. Freedom Fighters. It's fun to go back to this because it sounds very different, um, but kind of you can hear some similarities to it. So... This is uh, Amiga. This came out in 1990. This was a, uh, a track he did in the Amiga called Garden of Life. Here we go. This is so interesting. Um, Will, there was a couple of chord changes. Will was like, no, sorry, that, that just doesn't work. This was a very young Jesper Kid. It's so fun. I really got a kick out of this track because, you know, now when we hear the Jesper Kid, he definitely has a command over so many elements of music. Very impressive composer. This was when he was 18 years old. You know, so for a lot of people, that's, that's no excuse. I think it is. I think for a lot of people, that that is an excuse. You know, not not everyone has a you know such an understanding of music at a young age. I don't know. I probably just have a hard time on this guy because although I actually really like his more recent stuff, I think he's a good composer. Uh, I don't know. That, something about him, I, I feel like in interviews that I've heard with him, he's his not the attitude is a little guy, bit. Yeah questionable mm-hmm. like uh on top score he was on yeah uh, i was talking to Emily a little bit Reese turned off with his attitude on that one as well kind of dismissive of her questions which mm-hmm. i thought was interesting she was giving it's not like so he's like much, the most famous composer yeah he was she was giving him so much high praise and being so like you know nice to him and he was just like oh yeah What I find ironic, somebody like Tommy Tallarico is like the equivalent of a rock star in the video game community and he's so friendly easy to talk to 
Yeah. I, I find, you know, I think personalities are interesting and in any kind of facet of life. But anyway, I thought it was it was fun to play a Jesper Kid track. And I probably could have played one that was a little bit more like solid compositionally, but I kind of wanted to... I think this did to... capture his, his, <laughs> uh, his style a little bit of kind of the weird choices. But yeah, there definitely is sort of a sense of growth that yeah i would actually happen. recommend guys check out some more of Jesper kids early stuff uh for the even like the mega drive there's some he did some really cool technical things um making a lot of hard-hitting like techno music on those early systems uh so yeah now we're gonna play a track this is the last track we're gonna talk about uh for the c64 came out in 90 it's a demo called digital delight and we're gonna play an excerpt of a couple tracks cow jam and funky by lars hoff and stein peterson here we go are listening to uh digital delight excerpt for the c64 which came out in 1990 man i had such a great time you know i had to listen to so much uh to prepare for this episode but you know it's so fun just hearing a playlist of the best of the best it's impressive you know yeah, good work it's, carl thank this you this is yeah, a wonderful playlist this is a very worthy subculture to touch uh, on i think for this podcast you know i know that these aren't games but i really think this is important and it's so unique and really um i think most people the average person is not familiar with this music Absolutely. and it's good to bring light to this stuff well yeah and i really would like to take this time to thank two individuals who we couldn't have done this episode without um i think the first and foremost being phil baxter a very loyal and dedicated listener of the show he helped us out immensely with this episode so thank you so much phil uh we really appreciate it and also our friend mark uh thanks so much mark mark actually helped to tell us a lot about uh that atari machine and sort of that facet of the demo scene which was interesting to hear about because you know i probably wouldn't have really aware of it an Atari track if it wasn't for Mark saying, you know, are you going to include Atari as well? Because that was, you know, kind of an important part. And Mark is older than us, so he was also, you know, around um, during the demo scene, so he was yeah. sort of like telling us Phil a little too. bit about, yeah, like what it was like 
um, when, you know, like floppy disks were being... Yeah, so so one thing I just want to say is the track we're playing out with is probably the most famous Amiga track. I think the best track of the whole day. We've played it before on the podcast, if you remember, on our computer music episode. It's called Hyper Based from Enigma. It's super, super good. So stick around, guys. If you haven't heard this track, um, this is a maybe my favorite track of the whole demo scene. So it's really good. Um, thanks so much, guys, for joining us. We're having a great time with this season. Stick around. Next week, we have an episode on first-person shooters. Man, yeah, that's going to be probably going to stretch that as far as we can go because <laughs> the one thing that's just a little tangent of mine about video games i think it's weird that we categorize games the way we do like uh-huh. a first person shooter i think is a flawed way to categorize it because something like a metroid prime oh is we're gonna nothing we like can include Doom. that yeah no but that's <laughs> what i'm saying like fundamentally metroid prime should be categorized as an exploration yeah, game but, but because it has a first person view to play more metroid somehow. prime music uh, which i'll gladly <laughs> take so great. stick around for enigma guys talk to you next week. Have a great week. Peace out.